0: Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. That's the sweetest graphic that Brad ever came up with for a series. I just think that's really cool. And uh, yeah, this, this young man's talented because the song we just sang, the last song we sang, he wrote it. And he does the graphic stuff and he fixes my microphone. I mean, he does everything, you know, except sell popcorn, I guess. But anyway, he's a wonderful young man of God and uh, we're blessed to have a number of those on this staff as well as a couple of old geezers, huh, Jane? (laughs) It's not a bad thing to have a little bit of a mixture. I have an announcement to make that I didn't want to make during the regular announcements because it's really one of the most important announcements I've ever made at New Life. And that is... Thirteen years ago, we started a church that had a mission to share the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. And uh, since that time, and especially over the last several years, we've been seeing more and more people commit their life to Jesus. And actually, over the last year or so, it's almost every week. We see people either in the worship services or in youth group or in uh, the children's ministry or even in a prison cell in a federal prison in Haiti, trusting Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. And that's what this church is all about. That's the heart and soul of New Life, bringing people to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, which obviously only he does, but we give people the opportunity for that and then growing them up in the Lord. And if you would have said 10 years ago to anybody in the Saxonburg area that a church that started in a cornfield, that's New Life, um, would in 2014 have 6 or 700 people that called new life their church home they would have you know they rightly would have laughed in our faces because it didn't look that way but god has been continuously doing a, a great work here and it's a, it's a pleasure to be a part of that it's a joy to be part of that it's hard work to be part of that but um, what, what I'm leading up to is, uh, back in the spring, the elders and the staff realized something. <laughs> the church is bigger than us. We've never, none of us have ever been a pastor or, or worker in a church this big. And so maybe it would be a good idea to talk with some folks who were. So I talked to my good friend, John Nuzo, pastor of Victory Family Church over in Cranberry Township, and I said, John, do you ever consult with churches? He said, I sure do. I said, would you be willing to consult with New Life? He said, I'd be honored to do that. I'd be glad to do that. And so we scheduled August. These are the dates I want you to write down because August 11th, 12th, and 13th for two reasons, actually the 8th. Pastor John and Nancy, my wife, and I are going to be meeting in the morning. Then 11, 12, and 13, during the day, the leaders of the church are going to be meeting. And then in the evening, 7 o'clock, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, August 11th, 12th, and 13th, we are all invited, all of us. And it'll be really cool if everybody shows up, because I don't know where we're going to put everybody. But if everybody shows up, August 11th, 12th, and 13th, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 7 to 8.30, Monday and Tuesday, 7 to 9 on Wednesday. John is, well, we're going to have some worship, as we always do when we gather in a large group. And then we're going to um, hear John talk about how each of us can play a role in moving uh, new life forward, We're calling it next steps to the next step. And what John said in our conversations, he and I have been already talking, is that new life is at a very advantageous as well as dangerous place in our life. The advantageous place is we're now big enough that people are seeking us out. Actually, for example, in uh, April of next year, we're going to be hosting our first national conference. It's called Only Four Things. It's the only four things you need to do for a church to be healthy and growing. And um, It's going to be put together by 21st Century Strategies, and it's going to be here. It's for church leaders around our area. We've never had a chance to do that before, and now we are. So people are starting to notice that we have the ability to do some of these kind of things. Now, the dangerous part is it would be very easy for us to say, wow, we've been working hard for 13 years, and we've seen lots of people come to know Jesus, and why don't we just sort of take it easy for a while? Why don't we just sort of sit back and relax for a little while? But we're not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I know that none of the staff and elders are going to do that, and I don't believe any of you really want to do that. And that's why we're going to have this next step consultation, and I'm asking you, urging you to put your uh, calendar, you know, you, uh, most of us have some kind of like an electronic calendar now, if you have to get a ballpoint pen out and write August 11, 12, 13, do that, and plan to be here then. Okay, now, we're going to get to this series, which is called Living in the Spirit, and last night, the coolest thing happened, we were getting ready to start this series, and this young woman, actually, she's 31 now, I still call that young, but she was 15 when uh, she went with me to China on a missions trip, and that young woman, I haven't seen her for several years, and I thought this was maybe a sign that this is the time to do this series again because when we were in China, God told me, the Holy Spirit told me to pray for this lame beggar It was sitting along the street in Chengdu, China, and uh, and pray for him for healing. That's what I thought. So uh, anyway, I told the girl, and so she put her hand on my shoulder, and I put my hand on his. Well, first I asked if he spoke English. He didn't, and I don't speak Chinese. So I just said to him, I'm going to pray for you in English, and I'm going to pray for you in a language you don't understand, which will make two languages you don't understand, and I'm going to ask God to heal you. And so we prayed, and I felt the power of the Holy Spirit go through this young woman to me into this guy, and he got his biggest smile on his face, but he didn't walk. And so we went away and back to our hotel room and uh, where the 20-some of us were staying at this hotel in Chengdu. And two translators, um, I told them the story. They got all excited. They went back and found the guy, and they spoke Chinese. And he said to them, this American guy and this American girl came up. They prayed for us, prayed for me, and I trusted Jesus as my Savior and Lord through their prayer. Okay, so that's what the Holy Spirit does because I didn't speak Chinese. He didn't speak English. And yet he, he accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord. So that's what the Holy Spirit does. So I thought, wow, that's a really cool sign that we're supposed to do this series again. We've never done a series three times at New Life. We've done a couple of them twice, but this is the first one. We did it in 2007, and then we did it in 2010. The reason we're doing it in 2014 is, number one, because like stuff like that. Number two is because um, two-thirds of you weren't here back in 2010. So you probably haven't heard a series specifically devoted to living in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to do. And and I said back in 2007 that when I first did this series that I'd been having a debate with myself for 35 years. That's a long time to debate with yourself. And and I was debating over the Holy Spirit. And, And before I jump into that debate, one more thing that makes me think that maybe we're supposed to do this series is because... I was up all night last night, except for an hour and a half. It wasn't my plan. I got a call at 11-something that Emmy had cut her hand at work uh, and that she would be home in a little bit. Uh, And uh, at 1.40, she got home. That's not a little bit by my standard, you know. But for the last hour and whatever, they had been trying to get it to stop bleeding. Maybe it would have been a good idea to go to the hospital. I don't know. But anyway, so Nancy and I took her to the hospital about 2 o'clock last night, and I got home at about 6.00. 50 uh, this morning, which means I've been up all night. Somebody, I don't think, really wants me to be effective at preaching this message. But I'm going to do my best in the power of the Holy Spirit. So here was the debate. Back when I was a kid, 15, 17 years old, my brother was 15 years old. Some of you have heard this story before because I've done this series three times. But some of you haven't, probably most of you haven't. So what happened was my brother Ken and I were at basketball practice at Purchase Line High School. And Ken got poked in the eye and got the cornea of his eye torn. And he was taken to the hospital, scheduled for surgery the next day. Well, after practice, I came home. My, my pastor, Andy Wygant, and I went up to Brookville, PA, which was the only hospital, I guess, that had an eye doctor. I don't know, uh, from Gypsy. But we went up there to visit. And after our visit, Andy and I stood up to leave. And Andy said, Ken, would you like me to pray for God to heal your eye? And, and Ken said, well, it couldn't hurt, Right. So we prayed. We laid hands on him, prayed. So the next morning, I go to school, and I was thinking I would go to basketball practice, come home, and then go visit Ken in the hospital. Because that was back in those days when if you went to the hospital, you stayed there till you were, like, better. You know how they don't do that anymore? But, but anyway, he was going to be in the hospital for, like, a week over this. But anyway, instead of being in the hospital, when I got home, he was sitting on the couch watching television. And and, I mean, I I freaked out. I said, Ken, what's going on? And he said, well, the doctor came in this morning, you know, and he had patches on both of his eyes because the doctors didn't want his eyes to be moving and wanted to limit the movement. So he takes the patch off the eye that was supposed to have the corneal tear, you know. And uh, so he takes that patch off and the doctor goes, the chart must be wrong because this eye is perfectly fine. And Ken knows that, no, that's the bad eye. And he goes, no, no, they got it wrong. Let me take it off. So he took the patch off the other eye. Well, that eye was good because, of course, it was good. It wasn't hurt in the first place. So the doctor says, but what happened? This is impossible. Nobody, I mean, you had a really bad corneal tear. That doesn't, doesn't heal overnight. It just, just doesn't happen. And Ken said, well, it must have been Andy. The doctor said, who's Andy? He said, he's our pastor. He prayed for me last night for my eye to be healed. And he goes, and now it's healed. Well, the doctor didn't really buy that, but he didn't know what else to say, so he sent Ken home. So here I am, you know, in the evening. Ken is there, and he's as calm as could be. He wasn't even, I mean, my brother Ken, like, whenever he's excited, this is how he sound when he's really excited. Okay? I mean, all his life, he's really, I'm really excited. I'm really excited, Chris. Okay, so that's how he was. But that's not how I was. I was like, whoa, man, what happened here? You know. So I ran back to Andy's house, and I pounded on the door. Andy comes out, and I said, Andy, Andy, guess what? Ken's eyes healed. And Andy goes, praise the Lord. And I said, Andy, what happened? He said, what do you mean, what happened? He, his eyes healed. I said, no, 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 what, what happened? Because stuff like that doesn't happen. I mean, he goes, Chris, we've been studying the Bible. It happens all the time. I said, yeah, it happens then. doesn't happen now. He said, when was Ken's eye healed? Now. And, and, and I mean, I did not have a. I've never had an experience like that. When I was seventeen years old, I had never seen anybody healed like that overnight. It, it just and it probably happened right then, but we don't know because the patch wasn't taken off till the next day. But anyway, so I said, Andy, I really need to know what's going on here. And so Andy and I sat down with this book, the Bible. And he started showing me from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, the book of Acts, chapter 1, and we went through a whole bunch of chapters about the Holy Spirit and about how John the baptizer had said that he baptized with water, but Jesus would be coming and he would baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so he told me about this whole baptism of the Holy Spirit, filling of the Holy Spirit, and how the Holy Spirit was working then and he's still working now. And then he told me that he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I said, well, what does that really mean? And he goes, well, it means that basically what it means is that the power of God is, is in me. And he goes, and when I pray, I can't just pray in English. I can also pray in a language that I don't know. And he goes, would you like that for you? I was like, yeah. So I sat down, and, and while everything about that day is very, very vivid in my mind, the one thing that's not very vivid in my mind is how long Andy prayed for me. Because I swear, I sat there with his hand on my head for a day and a half. I know it wasn't a day and a half, but it seemed like a day and a half, okay? And, and nothing happened. And I said, Andy, I, I appreciate this, but, but it's, it's not happening, man. And so he said, well, it will happen when you're ready. I said, all right. So I went home, had dinner. I told the other people last night I probably did my homework. Then I said, no, I probably didn't do my homework because I hardly never did my homework. But anyway, um, so then I went to bed. And when I went to bed, I thought about the events of the you know the previous day or so, and I was talking to the Lord as I always do. I, I've done that since I was a kid, and, and since I knew Him as my Savior and Lord. And I'm talking to Him, and then I sat up and I looked over my brother. And I had this, we shared the same bedroom from the time we were little kids till I left for college. But anyway, I wanted to make sure he was sleeping because if something weird happened, I really didn't want him to like be a witness to it, you know. So I sat up, and and I said, God. I really don't know about this whole Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit thing, but Andy seems to think it's pretty important. So if you're going to do it, would you just get it over with? Now, some of you think you shouldn't talk to God like that, but I talk to God like that all the time. I'm not really concerned because I know that he can take whatever I have to dish out. And in that very instant when I said that, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I started praying in language I didn't know. And since Andy told me that would probably happen, it was sort of weird, but it was sort of cool at the same time, you know? So then God told me that I'm supposed to be a pastor at that very same time, and I said no. But that's a story for another day. Because the debate didn't start about whether I was supposed to be a pastor. The debate started about this. And and here's, here's what happened. I asked the wrong question. In fact, I asked the wrong question for 35 years. That's why the debate kept going on. Here's the question I asked. Can everyone receive the gift of tongues? The answer to that question is no. Because the gift of tongues is what happened in that instant when I was in China. When I prayed in a language that I didn't understand, but that he did. And he received Jesus. You see, the gift of tongues happened on Pentecost. We're going to talk about that in the fifth week of this series. Whenever 120 people received the Holy Spirit, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they could speak in other tongues... As the Spirit gave them utterance and everybody could understand in their own language. That's the purpose of the gift of tongues. It's like the gift of leadership, the gift of mercy, the gift of helps. They're all gifts and in in, uh, you can find them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in Romans chapter 12. Those are two main places also in 1 Peter. But anyway, the question I should have asked was this. Is being baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit different from receiving the Holy Spirit when we receive Jesus Christ? Because you see... People say to me all the time, well, well, don't you receive the Holy Spirit when you get saved? And the answer is yes, because how many gods are there? One. One God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So when we receive Jesus, we receive the Father and we receive the Spirit. So we receive the Holy Spirit and God the Father and Jesus when we are saved. But is there something different? And the answer the Scripture gives is yes. Yes. And that's what we're going to talk about these five weeks. I mean, we talked about it in 2007, we talked about it in 2010, and we're going to talk about it now, mainly for those of you who haven't heard about it before, but also for all the rest of us, because repetition is the mother of learning, and because sometimes we forget how we can live in the power of the Holy Spirit when we don't get reminded. And the thing is, here in America, not very many churches talk about the Holy Spirit, It's like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Who. You know what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit is not talked about very much. We all talk about God, maybe in general terms, or God the Father, and we all talk about Jesus, but the Holy Spirit sort of gets left out, almost like the force, you know? He's like the force. He's not like the force in Star Wars. He's very different than that. Okay, he's very, very different than that. He's a person because he's God and there's only one God. But anyway, so what we're gonna talk about during these five weeks is what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit and about his power and presence in our lives every single day. And what we're gonna do today is we're gonna talk about the promise that's given by Jesus in the book of Luke, and then next week we're gonna talk about that promise being restated by Jesus in the book of Acts, and then the next week we're gonna talk about third week, We're going to talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. So the first two weeks, I'm just giving you information. And I don't like to do that. I really don't like to just give information. But today and next week, that's what I'm going to do. In the third, fourth, and fifth weeks, at the end of the message, people are going to have a chance to come forward and be filled with or baptized with the Holy Spirit if you want to. If you don't want to, that's okay. Now... Uh, this is one of the few series also that we we uh, have put together here at New Life that you really need to be here for all five, or if you can't, I sort of, spoiler alert, you can go back to 2010 on the website and you can look at all five videos today if you want to. Okay, I mean, you could do that, however, as John Wimber once said, when the Holy Spirit falls in a place, you don't want to watch it on the video, you want to be there, so you want to come back each of the weeks during this series, and uh, The reason that that I'm doing this again is because it's the right time. And I want you to know two things before we move forward. Number one is this. Unless you thought I was bizarre before today, and I know some of you do, um, but unless you thought I was bizarre before today, you won't think I'm bizarre five weeks from now. And the second thing I need you to know is New Life is not becoming one of those churches where everybody's rolling in the aisles and barking like dogs. That is not what New Life is ever gonna be as long as I'm the lead pastor here. What we're talking about is the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And as we talk about that, I want you to know this, and and this is gonna be on the screen, and I'm making it really hard for Steve today, but here's what it should say on the screen. What I'm talking about here is availing ourselves of all of God, that is available to us of coming closer to God than we've ever been before and receiving what God wants to do in and through us as New Life Christian Ministries. says a whole body, the Holy Spirit's wanting to do more than he's ever done before. And as we explain, and I'm going to be preaching today and all the other weeks except next week. Pastor Brad's preaching next week, then I'll do the last three. But as we preach these series, this series of messages, I need you to know something. That even though I know all about the Holy Spirit, and I, I mean, I, when I go to Cuba, they actually ask me usually to teach on the Holy Spirit because that's how much I've studied the Holy Spirit over the, the last 30 years. Actually, it's 40, but anyway. But even though I know about all of that, even though I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit for 40 years, I do not always live in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's not gonna surprise anybody who really knows me. That does not mean the Holy Spirit isn't working today. It's just evidence that even after somebody's baptized in the Holy Spirit that we still struggle. In fact, Galatians 5, 16 and following says that the spirit and the flesh are at war and that there's this struggle that goes on for the rest of our lives even after we're filled with the Holy Spirit and even after we're continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'm not perfect. You all knew that before you walked in the room today. But I'm I'm more like Jesus today than I've ever been. And over these last seven years, since I first preached that message, God has done one incredible thing in my life, and that is he's gotten rid of the anger issue that was a daily part of my everyday life for, for, until I was 50. And um, th- that alone would be reason to share with all of you in the room more about the Holy Spirit, because I know probably one out of every four of us in the room has an anger issue. Um, it might be more than that, but at least one out of every four of us do. And so that might be reason enough. But I want more of the Holy Spirit than I've ever had. I, I want to live 24-7, 365 with the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer for me, and it's my prayer for all of you, and so that's why we're going to do this series right now. And the, the take-home point for today, and those of you who are here for the first time, we have one point that we seek to make every week so that we can remember it and go out and live it out in the week ahead, and here it is. Uh, Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit to those who trust in him. Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit to those who trust in him. There's no magic formula for receiving the Holy Spirit in our lives. We just simply have to trust that the Spirit is real and that Jesus' promises are true. Today's scripture is going to come to us from Luke 24. And a little background, it's the day Jesus rose from the dead. And two guys, uh, one's name is Cleopas. We don't know the other guy's name. They were walking from Jerusalem back to their home in Emmaus. They were sad because Jesus died, and they didn't know he was alive. But while they were walking home, Jesus appeared to them and walked with them, and they didn't know it was Jesus. And he told them all about what had to happen and how he was going to rise from the dead. And then they got to their home, and Jesus was going to go on, but he didn't. He, He went in to have dinner with them. And as he broke bread, they recognized Jesus, and he disappeared. And so the guys ran back from Emmaus to Jerusalem and we're picking up in Luke 24 verse 35 it says this Then the two that is Cleopas and his buddy told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread While they were still talking about this Jesus himself stood among them and said to them peace be with you they were startled and frightened thinking they saw a ghost He said to them Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they were still, they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? You see, he's proven that he's really flesh and blood. And he said, I'm hungry. I mean, I've been in a grave for three days. You got something to eat. What's in the fridge? Well, they don't have a fridge. Okay. It says... Uh, yeah, they gave him a piece of boiled, broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, You are witnesses of these things. And then this is the key verse for today, the promise given. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, which is always true, and for your faithfulness to us. I pray today that as we uh, speak about the Holy Spirit during these five weeks, that you will be with us, in us, through us, by your Holy Spirit, every step of the way. And I pray that you would fill and refill each of us. I pray that you would use this time to glorify yourself. And we praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for who you are, the one true and living God of all that exists. And I ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. So the disciples really didn't get it, even though they had lived with Jesus day in and day out for three years. They had walked with him. They had seen him walk on water. They had seen him heal people, even raise people from the dead. They watched him die, and they thought he was going to stay dead. I mean, really, the guys were locked in a room because they were afraid they were going to be arrested and crucified too. And all of a sudden, Jesus is with them, with them, and everything's good. Now, picture this. What if Jesus showed up right here, right now? The first thing that would happen is I'd go take a seat there in the front row. Right? I'm going to let Jesus talk if he shows up. I don't want to be up here. Jesus would be up here by himself. And what was happening was these guys who believed everything about Jesus except the most important part, that he was going to do what he said he was going to do about coming back to life, now they experienced it. And we have never seen Jesus in the flesh. And what Jesus tells those who did is that while you have a lot, you don't have what you really need. And it's never enough to be a follower of Jesus. It's never enough to be a disciple. Because as long as we have that, we can't really be transformed. And so what Jesus said, and it's interesting what Jesus does, he opens their minds before the Holy Spirit comes. He opens their minds to understand the scriptures. Remember what we read? He said, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. And then it says, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, that Christ will suffer, rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The disciples didn't yet have the Holy Spirit. But those of us who do have the Holy Spirit because we're believers, we have this ability. We read the scripture. Have you ever read the passage of scripture and made no sense to you? And then you prayed and you asked God to give you wisdom, give you understanding and all of a sudden, you, you didn't get smarter. I didn't get smarter. The Holy Spirit spoke into us. And so we were able to understand something that we couldn't understand before. And Jesus gave them the ability to understand all of the Old Testament. When it says the scripture, it was the whole Old Testament and how it all pointed to him and his death and resurrection and his, his being proclaimed throughout the whole planet. And now they understood this now, but understanding is still not enough. And we need to know that because so many times over the years, people have said to me, Pastor Chris, I need an evangelism class. Pastor Chris, I, I need a class on ap- apologetics. Pastor Chris, I need a class uh, on the Holy Spirit. And we might need those classes, but what we need more is the Holy Spirit. We need, whenever we go out of these doors of this building out into the world, what we need is the Holy Spirit's presence and power and wisdom and guidance and all the things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And the... In the Disciples didn't have that yet. In fact, what Jesus said is, I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Now, do you think the disciples in that moment understood, oh, the promise is the Holy Spirit? I don't even know if they understood yet. But what they did understand was Jesus said, I'm going to go away, which probably wasn't good news to them. I'm leaving you again, and then I'm going to send something, that I promised, that the, really my Father promised, and you wait till you have that power. Now, we know that the promise and the power is the Holy Spirit. The reason we know that is because on the day of Pentecost, which is recorded in Acts chapter 2, when all of the people got the Holy Spirit, when he filled them and baptized them all up, and they were out there uh, proclaiming the good news, Peter stood up to preach, and when he explained it, because some of the people thought they just were drunk, He said this, and it's from the prophet Joel, an Old Testament prophecy written hundreds of years before Jesus even came to the earth, and it says this, and afterward I will pour out my spirit on all the people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now look at that scripture. On how many people does God promise to pour out his spirit? All, right? I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. And then it says, who's going to prophesy? Sons and daughters, right? Sons and daughters, okay? And then it says, who's going to dream dreams? Me. The old guys, right? Old men are going to dream dreams. Who's going to have the visions? The young guys and girls, I think. Okay, you could read into it because everything else is both sexes. Okay, who's going to, in fact, it says, which sex will be the spirit poured out? Both men and women. It's very interesting. When the Holy Spirit comes, all of a sudden it's all-inclusive. Old, young, rich, poor, men, women, boys, girls. Everybody gets the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit comes. That's what it says right here. Now, the promise is very clear from that verse, those two verses, but I want to point out from Jesus' own mouth what the promise is. Because in John chapter 14... Hours before Jesus was crucified, he said this to his disciples, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The, whole, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. Now, Jesus said the Holy Spirit is going to be with them how long? Forever. 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 That means the Holy Spirit is still with us. Now here, two questions I'm going to ask you, Brad's going to ask you, we're going to ask you. Every week we're going to ask you these two questions. Is the Bible true and has the Holy Spirit ever stopped working? Those two questions are pivotal really to everything. Number one, is the the Bible true? Here at New Life we believe it is. We believe that every word of this book is true. It's what we base all of our messages on. In fact, when I stand up here and preach, this is, this is the most important responsibility in my life. When I, Before I preach, I pray, I, I prepare, and I plan, and I call on the Holy Spirit to work. While I'm preaching, I, I'm calling on the Holy Spirit to work, and I'm, I'm using this book. And that's what Brad does. It's what Mark does. Anybody that preaches here, that's what we do, because this is the truth. Now, the question is, do you believe that? I mean, really believe that. So much so that you are living your life based on it. Because until we accept that the Bible is true, then what I'm teaching up here doesn't really matter to you. It's still true, but it doesn't matter to you until you receive it as the truth. But the second one is actually just as important. And the second one is this. Has the Holy Spirit ever stopped working? Now that's where there's been debate. You see, when I was at Princeton Seminary back in 1981 to 84, I had a theology class and um, this professor was talking about how the Holy Spirit really wasn't working anymore and how God doesn't do miracles anymore. And so I raised my hand and I said, sir, and I told him about my brother. And he said, well, my theology really doesn't permit for such a thing to happen. I'm like, I really don't care. You know, I mean, I was polite about it, but your theology? Your theology? Does it permit for such a thing to happen? My brother had his corny of his eye torn one day and the next day it's whole. You explain that outside of the Holy Spirit. There's no explanation. Coincidence? I don't think so. But that's that was what he taught. You know, it, it wasn't, I mean, his theology didn't permit for that. So there are people whose theology doesn't permit for the Holy Spirit to still be working. I don't care about those people. Because several reasons. Number one is the Bible. You see, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is going to work for how long? Forever. And forever hasn't come yet, so it has to still be happening. The other thing is, my brother, for one, for many other things. Actually, there's a lady in the church here today who got healed while we were in Haiti. I don't know if she cares if I mention her name, so I won't. But, you know, somebody prayed for her, laid hands on her, and she was deathly sick, and then she was better. And it doesn't happen that way every time. In fact, in my experience, it doesn't happen that way a lot of times, but it did happen that way that time, and it happened that way for my brother, and it's happened that way for many other people. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. There are people who believe this, that when the Bible was finished, the Holy Spirit stopped working in like tongues and in gifts and, and, and in healings and all those things, because in 1 Corinthians 13, it says that when the Perfect comes, the imperfect will pass away, which is prophecy in tongues and stuff, okay? But here's the thing. Is this what they were talking about, what Paul was talking about? That someday the Bible would be finished and then that would be the ending of the working of the Holy Spirit? Of course not. He was talking about when Jesus comes back. That's the perfect. I mean, this book This book is true, inside, out, upside, backwards, everything. It's true. But the perfect is Jesus. He's the only perfect one. And when he comes back, we won't need healing anymore because there won't be any disease anymore. We won't need tongues anymore because there's only going to be one language spoken and we'll all know it. So the last thing that this is the funniest one to me. And and, I mean, I'm sorry, but some people are really serious about this. They believe that there was an age of the spirit and it was the age of the apostles. And when the last apostle died, the Holy Spirit stopped working in those powerful ways. And so if you picture this, the last apostle was John. John died. He's the only one who died a natural death. Everybody else was martyred for their faith. I want you to picture John is up here on his deathbed. All right. He's fixing to die, as they say in the South. Just about ready to die. He's an old guy. He's lived a good life. He's going to go see Jesus. And and so there's somebody over here in the world, and they're praying in tongues, and there's somebody over here laying on hands, somebody to heal somebody, and there's somebody over here that's doing miracles that would move mountains, you know, and John goes, last breath. And that miracle stops, and that healing stops, and that tongue stops, and it's never again. And there are a lot of people in the world that believe that. I can't believe that. There are a lot of reasons. Number one, it didn't even work in that day because it wasn't the apostles who were the ones who always were the ones through whom the Holy Spirit was given. Think about it. There was a guy named Ananias... And uh, he lived in a place called Damascus. He had the scariest job on the planet. There was this guy named Saul who was going around killing Christians and arresting them. And Saul was blinded by Jesus. And he went to the town of Damascus. He was actually on his way there to arrest more Christians and take them back to Jerusalem, put them in jail. But now Saul's heart has changed. But Ananias doesn't know it. And he's not an apostle. He's called a disciple. He's a believer. And God... (laughs) Tells him, hey, go over to this house and you're going to meet this guy named Saul. And I want you to touch him and pray for him so he'll stop being blind and fill him up with the Holy Spirit. And Ananias goes, are you crazy? That guy's killing us. Literally. You know, I mean, you can read it. It's in there. Acts chapter 8. It's not quite like that, but it's almost like that. And, and as, as Ananias lays his hands on Saul, the scales, something like scales fall off Saul's eye, he's healed instantly. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He gets baptized, and he immediately goes to the synagogue and starts preaching the gospel. It wasn't an apostle who did that to the apostle Paul. It was just Ananias. And when I say just Ananias, it's like it was just Chris. It was just Jamie. It was just, you know, Kim. It was just whoever. That's the same stuff that's still happening. So you can't. You can't, on the one hand, say that the Word of God is true, and on the other hand, say that the Holy Spirit has stopped working. And so that's why we're having this series again, because so many people have never thought about what we've been talking about this morning. And I know some of you in the room, you're going, I'm more confused about the Holy Spirit right now than I was when I came in. That's okay. That is okay, because you probably haven't thought about these texts before. And if you haven't, all I'm asking, all I'm asking is during these five weeks that you will withhold judgment until you've heard all of the evidence, until you've heard what God has done, what he continues to do. And when you have heard all of that, make your own decision if you haven't already. And then move forward in the presence of the Holy Spirit in a powerful way that you've never experienced before. Or just continue to say, I don't believe it. Or just say, I need more information. Those are three legitimate responses to these five weeks. I want more of what God has to offer. I don't think there is more that God has to offer. I still don't know. Honestly, if you'll seriously consider it, any of those three options will be, I can support any of those three options. The, the, the one about, you know, I don't I don't believe it, I, I have a hard time, but that's that could be where you come down in three weeks. So four weeks, I guess it will be. So here's today's commitment. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but the commitment for today is I will let the Holy Spirit fill me daily this week. And you're saying, well, wait a minute. You said we're not even going to get filled with the Holy Spirit. You can get filled with the Holy Spirit right now. little spoiler alert, okay? You can get filled with the Holy Spirit right now. So can I. So I'm asking you tomorrow, wake up or this afternoon, say, fill me with your Holy Spirit, and then see what happens. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you already have the Holy Spirit. If you want more of the Holy Spirit, he will come. And when you ask him to come, he will work. And you might be surprised, I was, when it first starts happening. And actually, I'm still surprised many times at what he does today. That's the cool part. That's the cool part of having the Holy Spirit doing richer, fuller things than he's ever done. So this week, the commitment is to let the Holy Spirit fill us daily. And what we're gonna do right now we're going to practice for week three, four, and five, okay? We're going to practice because I don't want everybody being nervous in a couple of weeks. So if you're able, would you please stand with me right now? Week three, not today, but three weeks, weeks three, four, and five, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have everybody close their eyes, and then I'm going to talk to two groups of people. The first group of people are going to be those who haven't yet trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, so I'm going to actually talk to you today. And then the second group are those who want to be filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized in the Holy Spirit. And what I'm going to ask you to do, and I'm going to ask you to do this right now, please. Would you close your eyes? Everybody, close your eyes. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, in other words, you came in here this morning, and you were in charge of your life, and you have never let Jesus be in charge of your life. You you maybe knew that he died for you and rose for you, but you've never actually said, yes, I want that a new life that Jesus promises. I want to be born again. If you've never done that and today you want to do that, I'm seriously, this is not practice. Seriously, I'm asking you, if never have committed your life to Jesus before, raise your hand if you would like to do that today. If you would like to have Jesus Christ be the Savior and Lord of your life, would you raise your hand? Okay, thank you. Would you put your hands back down? And uh I want everybody to look up here now. In a moment, I'm gonna pray for the folks that just made that commitment. Thank you so much. That's that's the coolest thing. Once you know Jesus, man, you got the Holy Spirit and you got a good start, and, you, and there's more to come. But so in weeks three, four, and five, not next week, but weeks three, four, and five, the second thing I'm gonna do is say, those of you who want to be baptized or filled in the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. So you got three weeks to get up to courage, okay? Um, and uh and I'm excited already because first service, I don't know, I saw three with my bad eyes and somebody up here said there was like six people and I just saw another four or five people committed their life to Jesus. I mean, that, that's worth everything. So let's pray right now for these folks and let's pray for all of us. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you sent Jesus to this world to, to rescue us, all of us sinners from our birth. And I thank you especially for those folks who just raised their hand for the very first time trusting Jesus as our Savior and Lord. And God, I pray that you would already fill them with your Holy Spirit. Fill all of us with your Holy Spirit, God. Let's not wait for a couple weeks. God, I pray that you would let us know the power that only you can give and that we would experience more of you with every moment of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.